You're listening to a Mash Those Buttons podcast. Visit mashthosebuttons.com for a full podcast schedule. Welcome to another episode of Watchpoint Radio, Mash Those Buttons podcast dedicated to Overwatch and its community. I am Jared, also known as Ja, and I'm here with Bobby Schisler, also known as Blazing Bob. Hey, 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 Ja. Glad to be back as always and excited about the content today. All right. Yes, this is episode number 96. We are recording on February 20th for release on February 21st. Uh, today, we really have one topic, and that is an interview with Grayson Peters of Lupin, Lupin, sorry, Lupin Productions. Uh, and they are coming out with their second fan film called Shadows, which is about a Widowmaker. Uh, their first fan film was about Mercy, and it was called Heroes Never Die. So he came on the show, and, uh, you know, we talked, obviously, like, you know, fan films, movie making, but most importantly, Overwatch lore. So we, you know, we talked a bit about that. So that's going to be pretty, uh, pretty cool. But before we get into that, I'd like to welcome anybody listening for the very first time. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen to Watchpoint Radio. Uh, for the new guys, we do talk about Overwatch news and some esports and competitive, but the primary focus is on the community and the state of the game. If you enjoy the show, you can follow us on Twitter at Watchpoint Radio, and we'd love to have you on Discord at discord.me slash smash those buttons. So, and always, uh, thank you for those who are returning for the second or for the 96th time. It doesn't make a difference. We appreciate you all. Uh, thanks a lot for listening to the show. This is why we do it every week for you guys. So, thanks a lot. Uh, no new subscribers to thank this week and no new patrons to thank this week. If you'd like to become a patron, it's patron.com slash watchpointradio. And you, too, can have your name said by Ja on a podcast. <laughs> We do have some community feedback, uh, a rare occurrence, a SoundCloud comment we got from uh, Dribbles. He says, you guys are awesome. Always look forward to the next episode each week. Keep up the good work, guys. Always informative. Thank you very much, Dribbles. We Thank you. We're glad that you're listening. You're glad you're, we're glad that you're enjoying the show. If we sucked at doing it, it would kind of not make it worth it, right? <laughs> so we're, we're glad that you're enjoying the show. We did get another piece of community feedback from a listener, but it was kind of personal, so we're not going to, you know, put them on front street. Uh, but to that listener who sent us the message, thank you very much. We we really appreciate uh, your words, and we're, able to, we're glad we're able to help you out. So yeah. um, thanks when a I, lot. When I saw that, it kind, of, it kind of hit me hard, and, you know, helping someone through a tough time with us just – acting goofy and you know i mean it's it was a really huge compliment so thank you very much and you really made you just really make this worthwhile yes absolutely so before we get to the interview bob how how has your weekend overwatch been what's been going on well speaking of overwatch it's been a wild couple weeks for me you know weekend before last i was out in burbank at the 
stage one finals. And then this week, I had the Planet Comic Con in Kansas City. And I got a lot of photos with me with Overwatch cosplayers, but I wasn't going to play from the hotel. And it's a little wild there. Anyhow, I, I had media, but didn't really get to use it much. Wasn't really any voice actors there. They promised me they're going to get voice actors there next year. But that's been the majority of what I've done. And I'm excited to play this th this next week. So get back into it. All right. Nice. So not you? that much Overwatch, huh? Well, I did play once with you, though. That is true. Yep, I that just got true. on to watch you guys and then decided to jump in when you had someone leave it was just qp it was just working up my new account bond's new account but it was a good time yeah we i've been playing with a lot of new people like actually what's been happening the reason you've been seeing me play with so many new people is uh you know one uh we do have listeners from the show who are transferring from console to pc uh so like uh, one of the listeners geo say uh we've been playing when we can uh, because he 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 recently made the transition from console to PC. Um, the dude abides also made the the transition from console to PC. Um, but also people so that you I used call to, them. You call them like trans PC, trans PC. I don't think that really uh, trans console. No, maybe converts. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know we've, that's been going on. But actually, quite a few people that I used to play other games with are now play, like they're kind of they finally coming out into overwatch so uh my buddy recoil who i we got into gold last week he told another one of our guys that we used to play counter-strike with he was like oh dude the game is completely different when you start playing competitive because both of those guys have had overwatch since day one they've had overwatch since day one and they're just getting their accounts into the 20s uh. but so so what was it when i started playing with recoil two weeks ago i think like, he was level 25. It took him a year and a half to get to level 25. He's now, like, level 50. So, obviously, this has been a change <laughs> in his playing patterns, right? But Was he uh, the one that had the really good tracking? Yes, he is the one that has the really good tracking. Yeah, the, I was watching him play, and then I was like, and then you guys put him on Lucio. I was like, why is he on Lucio? What What's we, going on here? Uh, the, he's still early in the game, so his tracking is amazing, right? Like, it's it's always been that way. For, for I've, I've known him for 18 years at this point and his tracking has always been phenomenal but he's still the reason i'm encouraging him to try other characters is even if he doesn't wind up playing those characters he can learn about them and learn how to kill those characters right he learns their weaknesses and stuff like that so he needs to be able to one flex when needed but two he, he still needs to be able to know the other characters so he can fight against them when he yeah. finally does pick his his ultimate uh his ultimate destiny, which is going to be a DPS. <laughs> His destiny is DPS. Well, uh, you could point him out to a good place to learn about characters and new characters and old characters. And just how to play against a character or with a character. That's prepared to attack. That's what well, he's been listening to the shows. His, he has been getting substantially better because he's been listening to the shows. Awesome. So the, he, that's that. We got another one of our friends who used to play Counter-Strike. He's now getting into his, like, when he might be, once he actually starts to play, he might be one of the greatest Widowmakers you ever see. Like, he's, he is, he's one of the best snipers I've seen in any game I've ever played. And he was on our team before. 
That's scary. Although I will say, lots of the snipers coming over, my my buddy Chase, like he had a lot of problems with it after they changed the quick scope because he was used to being able to quickly scope in and shoot. And so some yeah. some people have a tough time with that transition. Yeah, they do. But like, like you know, I think. Uh... Well, I guess you can quick, quick scope on an off kind of like it's it's not the same thing. It's still it's going to be different regardless. But I think once he gets adjusted, he's going to be pretty damn dangerous. So he's starting to play now. Uh, I have another friend of mine who he built his first PC I think two years ago, and when he first tried Overwatch, he was just learning how to like you know play PC, and it was kind of discouraging for him because he wasn't doing that well. And now he's starting to play Overwatch again. So that's why I've been playing a lot of quick play recently and trying to help my, my friends, you know, get acquainted with the game and learn to play. So, you know, yeah, I hope I didn't come on too strong that night too. Cause I was coaching like mad. Yeah. It was a little strong, Bob. Yeah. That, <laughs> hopefully. Strong. Yeah. Hopefully they forgive, they forgive me for that. I I was drinking a little bit that night too. So yeah. Well, always, after you left, I, I kind of said, I got to apologize for Bob. He gets a little overzealous. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, ev- like everything I told him was accurate. It's just maybe I kind of told him a little bit like a dick that I didn't mean to. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they, I'll let him know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, that's that's the main reason I've been playing so much quickly and, and on my lower accounts. I mean, I haven't touched my main in weeks at this point, but um Unfortunately, my uh, the last friend I was talking about, you know, he placed. He finally placed. He went. What was it? Eight and he went two and eight, and he placed fifteen ninety two. And I'm like, oh, okay, like he kind of it, it, that's kind of where he should be, right? Because he's still getting used to the game. He's making mistakes, like uh, procedural mistakes, right? Like mechanically, he needs to be a bit better. And, you know, just like character-wise, he needs to be better too. So that's fine. The problem is my lowest account right now is like 25, uh, 2586. And I should have been able to play one more game with him, but the system won't even let us play because we're that close to the limit. To the thousand, that's our that's limit. That's a bummer. Yeah, so me and him, we're just going to continue to play quick play for a bit so that he can get acquainted with the game. Hopefully, next season, we can get him into a bit higher silver, and it shouldn't be that big of an issue. I don't know. Makes maybe me I just... wonder if they're doing something behind the scenes with MMR. You know what I mean? Like Possibly. It, because you had also mentioned that you weren't able to play with the dude abides, and he's not even placed. And so... Um, it makes me wonder if they're playing with something behind the scenes with MMR and you just can't see that he's over. So, yeah. So that w- with the dude abide, what happens? We had one guy in our group that's uh, silver. He was sixteen forty two, and we we got the dude abides and he did like two of his placements, and then we went to go do another one and it says one of your one of the members of your group is to, is ranked too high. He left. Let's everybody play, you know. So something is going on. There have been reports about it in the forums, but no response from the Overwatch team. We'll probably get a developer update about it a little later. But I mean, like stuff like that. And the issue that I had with my my one friend that plays fifteen ninety two just cements what we've been saying about needing separate queues. You know, 
Like you need like a duo queue. So for people who want to play together, I mean, they're at, you'll get their average skill level, right? Yeah. And I, it, it can be definitely a bit lopsided too. Like if you mat, if a grandmaster matches or a master matches with like a bronze player, you know, yeah, uh, it, it changes a bit. So you know, they're keeping friends apart, or they're causing people to have to play slow or, or throw games. You know, like I was thinking, I was like, I don't know, maybe I should just play Hanzo for a couple games. I mean, the, my teammates will be mad, but fuck it, I'll be able to play with my friend. Now that—that's not me throwing. I'm not a great Hanzo, but but, but, but the SR system will push me down. But that's not how Overwatch should be played, right? When you go to play competitive, you should be playing your best characters to do the best you can. And the way the system works, it just—it forces you to not do that sometimes. So if you want to play with your friends, but. There's always the arguments, you know, that you shouldn't be playing with them, you know, that, that that's what quick uh, quick play in arcades for. And I don't know. I'm I'm still on the fence about it all. I mean, I'd like to have the other queue system, but then I just worry about would I even group with anybody because I want to work on my rating. So would I just end up not getting to play with anybody even more so? Right. Well, that's the thing. I mean, those arguments about what you guys should be doing quick play for, which is actually true. That's what quick play is for. However, we all know that quick play plays very differently than competitive. That quick play, if you, that, that's why it took my other friend so long to get to 25 because quick play is shit. Me and my, my buddy who plays low, to, low the other day, we started playing quick play again. And what happens? Four DPS, one healer, one tank. Like, that's mm-hmm. pretty common there, so. But, yep, that's that's how my week in Overwatch went. Did get Bond. We got Bond, or Emery, back in the Platinum. Got him in the Platinum late Sunday night. He's like, we, we were playing. Actually, it was after you had left, and a couple of guys had left, and, you know, Bond's like, oh, man, I'm 60 SR away. Can we get the Platinum? I was like, we got to win three games in a row. You really <laughs> have to be on top of your game, and we can win. And we won three games in a row. Yes. <laughs> and that's how he got back in the platinum. So congratulations to, uh, congratulations to Bond. Uh, but all right, well, enough of that. We have talked enough for now. We're getting ready to talk for another long period of time because this interview we thought was going to be like 30 minutes. Nope, definitely longer than that. We had a great time. It was awesome having Grayson on. And I don't know, maybe at some point we'll have him back on again. But for now, we're going to send you to Pass Ja and Bob and Grayson, and you guys can enjoy the interview. We'll see you in a bit. This is my kind of city. Lights, camera, action! All right, everyone. We are here with Grayson Peters of Lupin Productions. How you doing, Grayson? I'm doing all right. It's great to be on the show. Uh, thank you for taking the time to come. Uh, it's, I know you got a, a big project coming out soon. <laughs> we are definitely so, like in, in full swing right now. And I got uh, about five different people working on stuff at this very moment, getting the stuff oh, done. But that's um, awesome. no, this is awesome. Like I've, I've heard a lot about you guys and seen, seen some of your stuff before. And uh, it's great to finally be on. Uh, thanks. We're really glad to have you here to talk about, you know, Overwatch and some Overwatch lore, the stuff that everybody's starving for. Ooh. Yeah, so uh, yeah, just there's to, none of it out there. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah, so just to make it clear while we're here, uh, Grayson and Lupin Productions are producing a new Overwatch fan film called Shadows that is about Widowmaker, and it's going to be released on February 25th, so it's right around the corner. 
So, you know, we're, we're going to be talking about that today. But before we get into that, Grayson, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, I actually have no film background. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, and I enlisted in the U.S. Army in 2011. Uh, and it wasn't until I got injured in, in 2013 in a training accident that I got sent home and I had to kind of find a new direction, a new path to go on in life. So I started getting into the film work and acting and whatnot and worked on that TV show, Nashville. Uh, obviously, here in Nashville, that, that was like a big deal at the TV show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, like we never really seen anything like that here before. And so like Nashville's definitely grown film wise, but the more I was around it and just kind of experienced it, the more I wanted to start telling my own story. So we started up in 2014, Lupin Productions, uh, with my executive producer, Mary Dawson. And we did a couple of reality shows and some short films, did stuff with like the comedian Jeff Foxworthy, um, kind of your normal run of the mill, like independent stuff. And it was really good. We have a lot of like TV shows ready to go for it, but we also learned that in order to truly go somewhere, we're going to have to do something different. And I was always against fan films yeah. <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> I was like, nope, no way, never going to happen, not going to do it, nope. And then as I was thinking about something different, I was like, you know what, Overwatch had just like, you know, come out a couple of months before. And I freaking loved it. All my friends played it. I played it all the time. I was a Mercy main uh, for a long time. Started off as Bastion main. Until, like, they made him not, you know, a god. So then I switched <laughs> to Mercy. <laughs> uh, and now I'll probably have to go find a new name, to be honest. But that's a difference. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, once Overwatch came out, it was so rich and so colorful and animated. And the fans, just, they adored it. Everyone loved it, uh, including me. And I loved the backstories and the sci-fi element. I never really played much of a, a Blizzard games before. Um, I played a little bit of StarCraft, uh, but that was about it. And so this was like a whole new world. But I knew that so many people were disappointed with how Hollywood does uh, video game films. And oh, yeah. That, and that's actually the first thing I, I, I ask an audience when we do conventions and stuff. We were up at MAGFest uh, not too long ago, uh, early in January. And the first thing I tell the crowd is, who here, show of hands, thinks that Hollywood understands what gamers want? And no one raises their hands. Um, and I was like, okay, what if we show people it can be different? You know, I can't, I can't get the money to do a two and a half hour Avenger style feature, but what if I could show people with like a 10 minute short that you can, you can make video games work. You can bring it to the real world. You can make it believable. Um, and I've just scrapped together every resource I could. We have a great team. Um, I pulled together a wonderful team of producers, guys like Alex Johnson, uh, Madison Eby, they're both producers that work for Lupin, and uh, our creative director, Marissa Gomez-Perez, uh, here as well. She, she was a big-time cosplayer and stuff around town, and we came up with the idea of doing Overwatch uh, and video game-like fan film stuff just over coffee one day to do something different, show people this can work. Uh, so she and I kind of sat down together and came up with a story uh, involving Mercy, and that's what eventually turned into Heroes Never Die. And, it ended up being such a big success for the first one. We're like, you know what? Let's show people lightning can, uh, lightning can strike twice. So we decided to do shadows. Oh, nice. 
Now, you, you brought up your first fan film, which was Heroes Never Die, like you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, it features Mercy. Widowmaker is also in that one. She would be the antagonist, if you would say. Yes. <laughs> you know, um, you know, Overwatch. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. After you. Yeah, so, you know, Overwatch has, you know, when, when I mean, I, like, uh, when did you make that? Did you make that movie in 2016 or in 2017? 2016, it, right? Okay. Uh, so, well, kind of half and half. Uh, yeah. It started pre-production in 2016. Okay. Um, getting costumes, camera crews ready to go. And then we filmed in January all the way uh, into March. Okay. Um, a few, there's like a few days here or there. So, um, but yeah, it's kind of half and half. Yeah, so you you know at that point Overwatch has at least twenty three characters you know twenty four by the time yeah. Samba comes out so out of, out of all the characters you chose Mercy why Mercy I think it's because people for better or worse fall in love with Mercy the quickest um, Tracer is super likable she's obviously the face of Overwatch but like everybody loves Mercy um, not only is she just like from a gameplay perspective like indispensable <clears throat> or at least before she the was. nerfs, yeah, she, I was. she was indispensable. <laughs> yeah, it's like even before that, uh, her catchphrase, you know, heroes never die, is easily like one of the most recognizable phrases from the game. Um, she's so colorful. Her backstory had such little information about it. Like, where did she come from yeah. exactly? What happened? Um, and I thought there's a real opportunity. Like, let's make people believe in mercy. Uh, and it kind of stemmed from this idea. One of the reasons we started with Mercy is uh, our creative director, Marissa Gomez, uh, and I were talking and we were thinking, okay, what character should we do? And I always thought, like, how cool would it be to do, like, a gender swap Mercy for, like, a convention or something? I'm not even, like, a big cosplayer, but it just seemed cool. Right. And yeah. it got it got us thinking. It was like, what if we introduce uh, a father for Mercy as, like, the reason she was kind of on the path she was? Uh, all that the Overwatch lore tells us about uh, her upbringing was her parents were taken by war. So I had this idea of like, what if her father was a scientist as well? And he didn't quite create the Valkyrie as we know it, but he started to. And right. once the Omnic Crisis started, we really wanted to tie in some familiar stuff. So um, <laughs> I know like one fan thing people say, we mentioned Eichenwald, like her mom was an Eichenwald and it got destroyed. Mercy's not from Eichenwald. But we like the idea that her parents were trying to help stop this war. Um, and her mom could have also been a medic out there. Um, but the, we had this idea that the humans were just getting smashed. Like they're just, they're losing left and right. Um, and the solution was to get this doctor to use this prototype Valkyrie suit to bring soldiers back and help turn the tide of battle. But it would end up killing him in the process of him trying to tell a little mercy. As he's leaving, he ends up saying her phrase, heroes never die. And we're like, okay, what if we can make people like feel weight behind every time she says heroes never die? Like there's an actual emotional connection to it. Um, it's not just because it sounds cool. Right. Yeah, that's that's so, super, super cool. That's, it, I mean, that's a really cool way to, th- to, th- to um, think about every time she says, she says that. I like that. Well, and, and it delves into like, and, and we can talk about it, you know, more later on the interview. But when we approach fan films, we're like, okay, what do people expect? They expect cosplayers in a parking lot somewhere kicking each other for like, you know, thirty minutes <laughs> yeah. with, with some VFX. Um, uh, is it called LARPing? Yeah, it's like LARPing, and um, and we wanted to like, you know, when the term fan film, 
you know, already, especially with Overwatch's massive <clears throat> toxic base, uh, or the toxic, toxic ones out there in the base, uh, immediately the first word comes to mind, the fan film is cringe. You know, it's just like, it's bad acting, a lot of heart, like, you know, people do this on their own, on their own dime, their own free will, just to show their love. Um, but it just kind of reinforces the idea that video game films don't work. But we had this like really crazy idea of like, what if we show people they really can and we get like real money behind it and really try to bring this together. Um, so we, we, we did our best. Any punches with we, the, uh, uh, with the mercy actress, um, got yourself a pretty good looking one right there. And pretty talented. Amber Adams. I will never forget. Uh, she, she's an EDM singer. Um, Sang with the band uh, Emerald uh, Anchor, I believe is their name. But she also does a lot of work on, uh, with a lot of other bands. And she was actually the last person to audition. You know, I'm putting out audition stuff around Nashville, uh, Nashville, Tennessee here. And, um, but I can't, I didn't want to like reveal what we were doing. I was just like, hey, you know, we need someone that you know, is pretty pale, uh, blonde hair, uh, kind of meets the, the physical requirements of Mercy. And it was the last person to audition. I was right about to take down the notice. We were already looking at like four other actresses and uh, they were really good. But then she emails us and I was like, okay, let's, let's take a look. So we meet her and within like three minutes of just talking with her, everyone knew like she's, 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 she's just new. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she, she looks the part. Uh, she's, she doesn't really have much of an acting background, but she's such a go-getter. Uh, it was about 23 degrees all night when she was filming those scenes. Like that's not a set that she was on. That's like a real alleyway we, uh, we found and made to look kind of like a war zone. And she was doing 12 hour shoots uh, at night uh, in wow. about 23 degree weather. And that suit is not warm. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> but she's a real trooper and, uh, and people just absolutely fell in love with her. Uh, we were so honored when she showed up actually it wasn't planned, but she showed up with this song uh, with composer David Tulin at the end of, of of the film before we release it. Like, Hey, we did an original song for the film. Do you want it? It was called heroes never die. And, and the fans absolutely loved it. Everyone loved it. Uh, so much so that we're bringing her back again to do another original song for our upcoming film. Very nice. Yeah. The, uh, I, I knew it wasn't a set, it just, it, but I didn't realize it was that cold out there. Like nobody probably would have been that warm, like based off of what they were wearing. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, and it was great. Cause like I needed people to, 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 look like they were miserable oh so it helps that was perfect yeah it was absolutely perfect (laughs) oh man that's 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 awesome well let's um let's kind of dive into the the film that's coming out shadow yeah on 25th with uh widowmaker what can you tell us about the new film um a lot (laughs) (laughs) well uh for starters i think the best way to put it is when you're going into it it's not so much a film about overwatch it is a film about widowmaker um and more specifically amelie Lacroix, who widowmaker uh used to be before she was brainwashed and tortured um and there are a lot of overwatch elements and you definitely get to to see more of that world expanded upon which i'll I'll get into in a second it's really cool ways we're very excited uh, for, for everyone to see, but we wanted to delve into the heart of Widowmaker, much like we did with Mercy. But Widowmaker is a much darker character with a much more tragic story that doesn't really have a, a happy ending. Right. Um, and we wanted to make it bigger and better than Heroes. So this one has a 30 minute, uh, actually 30 minute plus runtime. 
Um, and uh, actual story, there's a, you know, there's a mystery. There are new characters involved. Uh, she interacts with a whole new world outside of the Overwatch cast, which is really cool to see. Um, and everything from the visuals to even the costumes, we brought in Hinchman, Hinchman Studios, who is kind of Blizzard's you know go-to guys for all their cosplays. They did the Doomfist at Comic-Con, Moira at BlizzCon, the Sombra the year before, uh, and we got them to do brand new costumes for Widowmaker and for our new organization that we're uh, showing off in this film, the Helix Security Corporation, mm. which for fans of the lore, that's Farrah's group. So you actually get to see all these soldiers, part of her security group, what they're doing in other parts of the world. Right. And so we have, and even their armor, if, if you uh, get some nice close-up looks at it in the film, uh, their armor actually looks like Pharaoh's security chief skin. It has the same like outline detail uh, with the gold and kind of the little uh, little lines going all over it. So uh, we really wanted to expand in every way. So brand new costumes, brand new looks, uh, a new style. Heroes Never Die was very crystal clear. Uh, we filmed it actually in 8K. <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, and we definitely wanted this very... It was dark, but we also wanted this very clear picture of what was happening. This one is much more stylistic. Uh, you're going to see a lot more kind of red colors. Uh, whenever you see Widowmaker specifically, uh, you get to see her at Talon, like where Talon keeps her. Uh, very cool colors, a little unsettling. We built some sets for that one, and we're really, really excited for people to see. Um, it's, it's a tragic story. But we go through a lot of themes. They'll go from tragic to emotional to uh, very scary uh, and then to extremely intense. We have a killer fight scene, uh, several fight scenes, actually, uh, but one specifically towards the end uh, with her and another Overwatch hero that we're really, really happy to show off in this film. And we brought in just some of the best choreographers around. Uh, actually, a guy named Cameron Gilliam, and he's out in L.A., and he absolutely just knocked out of the park with choreography that's going to just blow people away. It's visceral. It's hard hitting. It is. It's the exact opposite of what you would think you'd see in a fan film. Right? Uh, did um, he? Did he come out from Los from Los Angeles? He's in LA currently. Thankfully, he was actually here in Nashville when we needed choreography. Oh, sweet. Um, and uh, everything, every detail that we could incorporate about Widowmaker, we we put into this film, especially her movements. Uh, our, our new actress for Widowmaker is Rachel Rogers, and she's an actress here in town, uh, here in Nashville, and was just such a trooper. Uh, for about five, no, almost six months, she did not only dance choreography for ballet, because you do get to see some more of like Amelie, and Amelie was a, a ballet dancer before she was Widowmaker. Yep. Uh, she not only trained for ballet, but she also trained for all the fight scenes and movements. And we wanted Widowmaker, when she was fighting, to seem like a ballet dancer. It was a dance. Um, not like a cheesy way, but it was this very elegant way of moving, even though it was its maximum destruction with minimum effort. Right. Um, yeah, but I, and, get, I get what you're talking about. Because that's how, I mean, that's how every time we've seen her move, it's been, it's been very, I can't mimic it because this is mainly, yeah. you know, radio, but very... <laughs> It's very snap to each move. Like, you know, it's a very quick movement and it graceful. It, it is. And we wanted to show that. And this whole film, really, the reason we called it Shadows 
um, is because there's such a play between light and darkness. And you do see such grace and beauty and elegance in the middle of just destruction. Um, we, one of the things we're most proud of with this film is we don't portray Widowmaker as a sex object. Um, we don't do any like gratuitous butt shots. We, we don't, we don't, we even, don't try to do the fancy. Even, even Blizzard does that though. <laughs> the best is when they got in trouble for Tracer. Oh, and I know. Then they put out a new, <laughs> a new supposedly, uh, repaired image. I remember. And it was just, the, it was just the mirror version of it. <laughs> It, it was perfect. Oh, it was almost like they were trolling all the haters. Yep. Um, well, and, and that's something people are kind of accustomed to with the game. And I think there's so much depth to this character. And the character is it's kind of messed up. Um, you know, according to, to Michael Chu's you know, lore that he's made, you know, she was married to an Overwatch agent. Uh, I, don't, it, I still, for the life of me, can't figure out if it's Gerard or Gerard. It's, um, it's Gerard. I think, yeah, I think it's still Gerard. Yeah. And um, married to this agent, Talon couldn't get to him, so they got to her instead, brainwashed her, forced her to eventually kill him, and then she returned to Talon, and they turned her into the, the blue assassin we all know and, and love, um, or hate, depending on what side of the team you're on. Ooh, yeah. And um, <laughs> she, uh, and, and with that story, we, the reason why I, I was drawn to do Widowmaker more than another character was because I think there's a lot of ways that you can relate to her and feel for her. I think there's a lot more room for that emotional connection to Widowmaker than the goal is after you see this film, much like with Mercy, like you see when she says heroes never die has a different kind of tone to it. Like you, you see a little bit differently. We want you to see Widowmaker differently after this film and realize that there was a person underneath all of that. Um, yeah, yeah. I think uh, like Widowmaker. She even in game right now. She's kind of um, there's a, there's a question mark over whether I, well, at least for me whether or not the uh, the brainwashing fully took or not because you know we had the Christmas comic where she went to go visit Giard's grave. We had yeah. like you know she uh, sometimes before the match she'll sigh and say his name. Uh, when Anna will she I forget exactly what Anna says like something like he should have never trusted you or something like yeah. that she's like you don't know anything about him you know that's uh, so it, it kind of leaves a question mark on you know how how programmed is she like what's really going on with her and that's something we wanted to kind of address was like how far down this rabbit hole has she fallen um, or how far has she come back since yeah, we what we wanted to do is definitely we've introduced some new characters. There's a new French agent. Uh, his name's Alexi, and he's hunting for this sniper. He's been hunting for a long time uh, to find this particular sniper. Um, and he ends up joining the Helix Security Corporation on this mission to retrieve a talent defector. And Widowmaker is also sent there to eliminate this talent defector. Can't have any loose ends. Well, that French agent, he has his own specific goals and a very specific connection to who Widowmaker was and is. Um, it's kind of a, a nice ghost we've introduced from her past. Uh, and I, I'm really, really excited for, for fans and even non-fans alike to watch how this plays out and to see 
to see how Widowmaker reacts, to see that there's still like some Amelie left, or is there? Um, and it is, uh, it's, it is dark. It goes back to what I said earlier. You know, I think the, the best expectation for people to go into it is to know you're going into a film that's strictly about Widowmaker and her rather dark backstory. Um, we do get to delve into a lot of the, the stuff of like what Talon did to her, um, you know, the relationship with Gerard. We don't delve into Gerard a whole lot because that's such a point of interest with a lot of people that there's so many already fan theories out there and people love to speculate. And it would also be a very easy go-to for that emotional connection because yeah. you expect it. Um, and we've even had like some comments on there be like, you know, oh, we're going to see Gerard, you know, yada, yada, yada. You expect that emotional hook. And one of the things we love to do at, at Lupin is we want to do a hook that's like straight out of left field. You never saw this coming from a bajillion miles away. Right. Like um, a roadhog hook. Yeah! <laughs> I love roadhog, by the way. Oh my gosh. I, I do miss the one shot, the one shot hook. Uh, uh, so so do I. Good at yeah, it. I the nurse. My response yeah, is like, you're you dying to one shots. Get good, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not dying. I'm not the, getting good uh, all the time. Go ahead, Bob. The uh, Roadhogs with over 60% hook accuracy that threw it out on cooldown really miss it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shoot. Uh, yeah, so... Um, in terms, like in terms of like the animated shorts, my favorite animated short is still alive, right? Is it my favorite? And one of the reasons it's my favorite, and a lot of people disagree with me, is because not necessarily because of just the story, which I thought was great, uh, but because of the fight choreography, which was mostly it was gunfight choreography, and I appreciate yeah. gunfight choreography that's good because it's not easy to do. It's not easy to take a gunfight and make it interesting. But case in point. It was like last season of Arrow where he stops using like being Arrow for a while and starts using guns most of the time. This show took a nosedive in my opinion in terms of the action <laughs> because gunfights like are usually not that interesting. But I will say yeah. they've gotten better at it this this season. Like the character yeah. John, he's it it's pretty cool the way they've been doing it. I think they might have watched like equilibrium or something maybe but still oh, like it's like the gunfights this is why like you know like uh you know john woo films were what they were in the yeah. 90s because he made gun you know gun choreography fun to watch even though completely unrealistic it was fucking awesome <laughs> but, oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah for sure yeah i mean they're what they're doing in arrow this season i'm talking about i mean it makes no sense but boy it's cool to watch exactly, like, yeah. that's i mean that's the whole thing you're supposed to do in in much of film is uh, is is suspension of disbelief you know that's if it was yeah. realistic it would probably be fairly boring yes. yeah like have you ever watched somebody like really fire guns in real life like it is not that it's not it's entertaining slow. to watch you know impressive yeah. not entertaining but um exactly. the reason i brought that up is because i was wondering like you said you had several you know fights in the uh, the film so are you leaning more toward gunfights or more hand-to-hand -hand combat, or is it a mixture of the two? This one is going to be a little more hand-to-hand. -hand. We do have Widowmaker with more of a prototype rifle. Um, where this takes place in the lore kind of also determines why you're going to see some more hand-to-hand -hand stuff. This is before her short alive, but after the fall of Overwatch. So she's not quite perfected as the Widowmaker we know. In right. Um, both physically 
and inwardly as well. Um, we like to think the transformation didn't happen like immediately. Um, you are going to see a whole lot of really cool looking soldiers with some very big guns. Um, and they do try and use them. One of the things we want to show with Widowmaker, though, is more of a, a very scary element. I think she has the potential to be a very scary character, um, especially with all that's been done to her. So one of the intense scenes you're going to see is that these soldiers, it's very Aliens style. Um, they're in like dark corridors, and you don't see Widowmaker, but she sees right. them. And we do it only from the perspective of the soldiers. Um, so you're not going to necessarily see her running around everywhere. We took a few cues from not only Aliens, but Batman Begins as well, if you remember that movie, yep. where there were a few times where it was really scary because like, you just don't see him. Um, now, if, they, if she's not shooting soldiers, there's a reason. There's a reason she's getting close. She wants something. She's looking for something. Um, same thing with the other Overwatch character we're showing in this film uh, as well. Uh, there's a reason he's not going in guns blazing. And you do get to see her be a sniper. We are very careful um, with how we show her shooting people, um, just because it is a real environment now. And we do want to uh, adhere to kind of some of Blizzard's like fan film guidelines. You know, you do want to keep it kind of team rating, especially with today's climate with guns and everything else. Uh, we are very, very, very careful and tasteful about how we show Widowmaker in her sniping. Right. Um, as far as uh, our titular fight scene, um, we do have both of our opponents disarmed um, because we wanted to show this very base core difference between them. Um, our, the Overwatch character we're bringing in is Soldier 76. We're really, really <laughs> excited. It's, he's so cool. Um, nice. So, and, and we can definitely talk, talk more about it here in a second, but with Soldier 76, you have someone who's very angry, very emotional. He's just, he's brutal, uh, very heated. And on the other hand, with Widowmaker, the reason why this was such a good, interesting pair up is she is completely unfeeling. She does not have emotions. Everything with her is calculated. So when you see them go head to head, we wanted to do a fight that would show that. And with guns, you can't really do that as much. Um, you can do some really cool things with it. Um, and as much as we're very proud of, 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 of the budget we've got. We're also working on, well, I actually crunched the numbers the other day. We're doing 0.02% of what they spent on justice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, which, but we still, you know, we're, we're very grateful for our investors. We've been able to, to, to do more and get more funds than most fan films could ever like dream of. Um, so we use that in different ways, you know, locations, uh, how we're doing it. So when we see the fight scenes, it doesn't betray the characters. Um, you know, we're not going to show Widowmaker trying to do a Haymaker as Soldier 76 or somebody because she wouldn't. Um, there are much more effective ways for her to do it. You know, duck or dodge, uh, spin around them. She gets very creative. Now, him, on the other hand, he'll slug you all the live long day. Um, that's what he loved. You know, that's what we show that heated anger. He's a super soldier. He doesn't need form or technique. He's got raw strength. And also, he's just very hacked off. He's an old guy who's not happy with his life. Um, so we showed that, <laughs> um, we do have a few gunfights, um, with some, some, some prize twist. Um, but when it comes to what you see, like in the short alive, it is action packed. And one of the things that we do though, is once again, with fan films, people almost expect us to do something to emulate alive. 
they want they want us to see or like they're expecting to see you know vfx like laser shots everywhere or like tracers zooming in out or something uh something along the lines just very actiony kind of cartoony and so we want to completely spin that not in a boring way uh it's still very intense and very exciting but in a very hyper realistic way um and even with the the short alive which is just beautifully well done um you know widowmaker's movements a little unrealistic uh, in Tracer as well, the way they're bending and tw- you know twisting and turning. In which case, animation's yeah. definitely the way to go. <laughs> uh, but the way we've we've always figured is, you've already seen Widowmaker fight. You've already seen her in the shootouts. Uh, you already see her in the thralls of action. Um, what have you not seen her in? Or what other types of action have you not seen her in? Um, so I promise we're not going to be delivering thirty minutes of yeah. talking. <laughs> um, it's an it's a character study. It's much like Mercy's uh, Heroes Never Die. Uh, we didn't have her, you know, sipping around all over the sky, like pulling out her pistol and shooting things. We still made it exciting, but it was more of this emotional twist to it that made it interesting and made you want to watch it. Gotcha. Okay, that 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 clears up. It kind of you know sets the proper you know expectation. <laughs> yes. It's there's a little bit of a there's there's kind of a mystery to it. Um, closest feels for some of the film, uh, a little bit of Sicario, mm. if you've seen those. Um, even some of the color palette is very similar at times, especially with the Helix soldiers. We definitely wanted you to feel like these were real soldiers. Um, they're really going on a mission. Nothing seems really fake. Uh, even went on like how they would hold weapons. I used some of their <laughs> army training. <laughs> Went over like, hey, here's how you want to hold this weapon. Here's how you want to like handle it. Um, Dude, that's, no one's like, that's really no good because that's something you see in even high budget movies where someone holds a gun wrong and it is annoying. It is. Um, and these were big guns. They're very unwieldy. I I'll give the actors major props <laughs> for how how they're able to do it. Um, especially Widowmakers. I mean, it's about four and a half feet long. It's huge. Um, and 76 is weighs about, about 25 nice. pounds. It's, a, it's, it's, it's a big yeah. prop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, big guns and games, you know, look different than, you know, <laughs> but, you know, than big guns in real life, especially in, you know, in a lot of video games. When you have a big gun, you have a big character that's carrying it. You know, big unrealistic yeah. character, you know. Yep. Well, and that's then you know how it looks in the game is is a, you know there's a there's a difference. If you want to bring this stuff to life and you still want people to believe in it, um, we've had to make some changes. Right. Um, and that obviously shows like our new character posters and stuff. Um, that is the hardest part of the job is to make sure like we can make realistic adaptations without betraying who the characters are. Um, if we had just a straight up game accurate Widowmaker in this film, you wouldn't believe it. It would take you out of it. You would think it's a cosplay. Um, and we knew that we had to make some adjustments. So we went all black. We had this new bodysuit that, that Hinchman Studios made, just killer. It's got these really cool, like kind of spider fangs, uh, on it in places. It's made of like six different materials. So it's not just like a spandex suit. Um, we give her kind of a, a, a utility harness, like a combat harness. So like hold that, that iconic pouch there on her thigh um, that she's like carries around in the game. Uh, the most work we had to do was probably the feet. 
her boots in the game are yeah, not that right. <laughs> we, we, we experiment with a lot of stuff and so we did kind of sacrifice some of that look with like the bottom half for costume but for range of mobility uh unlike the first one you're going to see these characters full-on sprinting in their outfits you know like cartwheeling backflips uh grabbing onto stuff on the ceiling like they go all out um and we wanted suits that could maintain that functionality while still looking good without betraying who they are as characters. So that's a lot of yeah. stuff to juggle. But we're really, really happy with how Widowmaker turned out. Uh, we took elements from her uh, yeah. wheat skin. We took elements from her Widowmaker Talon skin, which was one of my favorites. I love that skin. Uh, so we took a lot of elements from that, particularly with the breastplate and like the harness she's wearing. Uh, we still have the uh, a slit, though, in the back of it to show the iconic spider tattoo. Um, so we, we do want people to know like, Hey, we, we, you know, this is right. Widowmaker, uh, 100%. And probably the biggest difference though, is when she's in the suit, her visor stays down. Um, that was something we wrestled with for a while was like, should we have it like go back and forth? Um, we looked at uh, a couple options, uh, that works obviously within a budget and time. Um, the more advanced you get with these kind of props, uh, the more difficult it's going to be. We actually, uh, oh, what a coinky dink. So we ended up settling on this model, nice. um, which we're really happy with. And Henchman Studios made it. And we increased the level of plating that goes down the back. So it fits more like a helmet than a straight up visor. Um, and it does light up. And we were really, really, uh, really pleased with how this turned out. But it does stay down, mostly because it gives her the complete combat advantage. Um, at least we would think so. In the game, it's a perk. You have to earn, right. earn to have the visor down and the press game. Y. But in real, <laughs> exactly. So in real life, like she could have it down all the time. Um, so that's probably, those are the biggest differences with uh, physically that we've kind of done is we, we did kind of give her more of a full-on operative suit. Actually, it's really funny. Mike Fisher from from Game Watch today actually was like, "Hey, if you're gonna go like stealth operative with it, and I say just go full stealth with it. Like, just give her a full on bodysuit." Um, and it actually worked really, really well. We were really, really pleased with it. Uh, she still has the exact same bracer on her left arm. Um, there are still a lot of armor elements that are the exact same, but it is completely functional. You're gonna see our Widowmaker doing things that are just absolutely nuts. Um, we, we want to go all out with the movements. And so the look reflects that, uh, and 76 as well, but, um, his look, we redesigned. I don't know if you guys have seen the posters for him or not. We gave him a more nomadic kind of appearance. Um, we took the jet skin from the game, which is already super great. And we gave him a, a gray scarf, um, one, just because it looks really cool. And two, <laughs> um, it also gave the appearance that this is a guy that's like, he never stops moving. Um, he even has a backpack. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we show him like on the move. Uh, actually, there's a really, really cool shot that it's in the trailer for like a second, but you'll see more of it where it just started downpouring. And we took full advantage of it. And so you get to see Soldier 76 like on the move. Rain just falling on him like he's muddy, he's dirty. Uh, you see where he kind of like his temporary stops, like he he's almost in this shack that's just 
filled with equipment um, and that he's using to do research and to find stuff. This is a guy on a mission. Uh, He's definitely hunting, um, definitely hunting somebody. Uh, And you'll, you'll, you'll get to find out more in the actual film, but he has his own reasons for being in this film and his own reason for wanting to get to Widowmaker. Um, his personal story doesn't clash with hers as much as say someone like maybe right. Tracer because of like the shorter lives. So we want to still keep that rival rivalry, you know, the main rivalry is not between 76 and, and Widowmaker as far as like all the films and the lore, but we do kind of have them have their own Titanic clash in this film. Uh, the closest I can, I can think of is 76 is more like Wonder Woman was in oh, Batman yeah. vs. Superman. He's, He's the wild card. Gotcha. Um, he's the dude that kind of shows up out of nowhere in this film. And when he does, it's it's bad news for people right. in this way. <laughs> it's like, what? It, why is he here? Whose side is he on? Is it is it that type of thing? It is. And he's not, you know, he always looks out for the good guys. But he's not really a good guy anymore. Uh, he's very much an anti-hero. Which is really fun to explore, I think, with him. Um, and we don't go, like, we don't do anything super cheesy. He's not out there just, you know, saying lines left and right or like trying to pose or something. Um, we even go into like how he acquires his signature pulse rifle. Um, so maybe it's a spoiler, maybe not. You do get to see 76 when you first see him. He does not have his big old honking gun. Um, he is just himself and he's got his motorcycle jacket and he's got, you know, a backpack like he's just very very simplified uh always on the move and that was another big thing with the clashes we do in this film another reason why wouldn't make was such a great antagonist for him or maybe protagonist for right. the look at it in this film um her suit is made of synthetic fibers and there's armor and technology and it's the pinnacle of like you know weaponized outfits at the time um while him, on the other hand, he's got like leather straps and leather jackets and like cloth and very organic materials. It goes back to the whole thing of she's unfeeling and he's very emotional. He's always angry. Uh, we really wanted to make him like kind of kind of like Batman. You know, he's just always hacked off, doesn't pull punches with anybody. He's a dude on a mission and he's got his own goals. Uh, and after this film, I think we would definitely like to explore more of him. Probably more of his backstory uh, during the Omnic Crisis. And I actually have a really, really fun story for him and Anna and Reyes. Um, and uh, actually, we have stories for all of them. A, a fun fact, like to tell people, is we do have a treatment for what a 13-episode live-action Overwatch series would look like. And it's where we pull all of our ideas from right now. Um, nice. And, and it's got its own like plot threads and arcs. And you get to see some of that in this. Um, which is really, really cool. There's a reason this this particular character, this talent defector, there's a reason he's left talent. And he's found out some stuff that doesn't quite sit right with him. And so he's trying to get to the good guys to say like, hey, some bad stuff's fixing to happen. Um, so we definitely allude to more of a grander scheme that really wasn't alluded to until Doomfist came around. Um, and Doomfist very much wants to, you know, he wants to pit human dynamics against each other. And he says that a few times. You go to King's Row. Um, he talks about the tensions there. And he's like, you know, this is a powder keg waiting to go off. And right. it's time to fuse. Um, 
uh, or something like that. Don't quote me on I probably got it wrong, but <laughs> yeah, it's closer to what I was thinking, so it's probably right. <laughs> yeah. So we, it is kind of like our own Lupin verse, which is really, really cool. We do, uh, it is a sequel though to Heroes Never Die, right. which is really fun. So we do allude to a lot of what happened there and two of the characters from Heroes Never Die reprise their roles. Um, so our lead uh, female soldier played by Keanu Meredith, her name is Solares. She ends up coming back and playing a much larger role in this film. And you find out like why they were with Mercy, like what was kind of happening. Um, you know, why was Widowmaker attacking them? That kind of thing. So a lot of, lot of fun elements to it. And a lot of uh, layers to this film, which we're really, really happy about. And I, I right. think fans are going to like it. Well, you got me. You got me <laughs> excited about it. Right. So, so, you, so you got you know you, you have uh, you know stories or threads for you know pretty much every Overwatch character. Is there any mm-hmm. one or maybe a couple specifically that you like to approach next? You know. Ooh. Yes, I will say the the number one answer we give to people is like, are there going to be more Overwatch films? There can be. Um, I want to make more. I'd like to make more. It depends a on fan reaction for this one, and then b um, a reaction you know from Blizzard. Blizzard, um, Hollywood, anybody yeah, willing to give you even more of a, a budget because that could be huge. Exactly. You know, right now we're we're privately funded uh, from investors here in Nashville who believe in what we do, uh, and Mary Dawson, our executive producer, is our primary investor, and we wouldn't be able to do what we do without her. And so when it comes to moving forward, specifically with Overwatch, um, there's going to be a lot of pieces at play. Uh, but it's interesting you say it with Hollywood. The main goal that we want to do is not to make YouTube videos. We want to expand and, and make, you know, feature length films or uh, television shows as well. Um, it's been a few years since we've pitched our shows, but we actually have a five series ready to go. Um, not just video game related, but original content as well. And we want to expand upon that. And the biggest reason to go to start on fan films and YouTubes is it's yeah. a lot. <laughs> YouTubes. <laughs> Sorry. It's a long day. It is, uh, it's a lot easier to pitch something when you already have a follow. Um, and this really, really helps with that. Now, as far as more Overwatch, I love McCree. And I've got a really, 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 really cool story for him. Um, well, that sounds good he, to me. We, we've got a story uh, involving McCree and Sombra, actually. Interesting. And uh, that's, that's a fun one. The story is mostly fleshed out. We actually have already begun working on concept art, just to be prepared. Um, it's more unrelated to the events of Shadows and Heroes Never Die, but still, there's still that connection. Like, all these films will be connected uh, if we get to keep making more. So, fingers crossed. Um, but I love McCree. Now, as far as like what fans have been wanting and some stuff I'd like to do, I do have script for almost every hero. Um, Lucio was the other one I wanted to tackle next, just because it would be such a 180 from what we've been doing. Um, I would want to make it very colorful, very lighthearted. Um, the idea was to actually make it like a 15-minute short with no talking. It's only music <laughs> and music coming from him that describes his mood and his actions. Um, wall writing sounds hard to do. It's the, the VFX budget would be a lot bigger for something like that. That's for sure. Um, and we had the other character we want to do with that story would probably be tracer. 
uh, we had this really interesting idea that a misunderstanding would pit them against each other, which would lead right. to some really cool chase scenes. Um, <laughs> and it'd be a lot of fun. Uh, I do love stuff with Lucio. Reaper is another character that I would... The way I always envision Reaper is if you're going to do Reaper, do him justice and make sure that like there's a lot of heroes that you're already invested in having to like be pitted against him because he can take on that many. Um, I want to make him not the ultimate big bad, but he's definitely like one of the most dangerous threats to In a small our room. heroes. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and I want to make him terrifying. I want to give you a reason to be scared of this dude, not look like an edge lord, uh, but definitely more of just this very like right. Batman with guns. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you don't want to be around this guy, and we've got a very interesting plot thread with him. Um, one of the things that you're going to see in Shadows is just because they're a hero in the game doesn't necessarily mean they come out on top. Uh, and same thing with heroes, never die. Um, you know, Mercy kind of got her butt kicked a little bit. And that plays into the idea of if they do team up again, if Overwatch is brought back again, how much more rewarding is that going to be for the audience to see them like right. start kicking butt themselves? Like, to turn those tables. Um, and since there's less villains and there are heroes, you need your villains to, to seem very powerful. Um, so we've got a lot of really cool plot threads. Uh, Reaper is one that I would love to get to for sure. Um, and he would be kind of, kind of hinted at with a, a McCree one. I think if we do McCree, I wanted to show some of what he had to do in Blackwatch. And that's something a lot of people are very interested in is what, what happened in Blackwatch? What was it? You could even do a nice cameo with Genji. Uh, I like the idea that Blackwatch was under Re you know Gabriel Reyes's you know, Reaper under his leadership. They had to do some pretty heinous things, um, stuff that would make McCree live with a lot of guilt because of it, and Genji as well. Um, and explore that, explore how kind of twisted Reyes became, and his lust for violence and for control and for power just gradually overtook him. So even before he's donning the black robes, you already kind of got to see, I mean, he is the Reaper. Um, you know, there's a reason that he has that name. I like the idea that these names that they're given, um, you know, like Widowmaker, Soldier 76 and stuff, aren't always just like self-given monikers. There's a reason they're called that. Um, in fact, Fun fact, in this film, you're going to see outside perspectives on these characters. And no one actually ever calls Soldier 76, Soldier 76. Um, he's got the 76 on his back, and he's there, but they just call right. him the Mysterious Soldier. Because um, they don't quite know who he is. This is before he's like <laughs> wanted all over the world. Um, but, but you'll get to kind of see like how he becomes wanted. <laughs> he's the kind of dude that doesn't really care about what, what destruction's behind him. Um, he, he's got one goal in mind and he's got one very specific person. He wants to hurt badly. <laughs> yeah. I gotcha. I can imagine who that is. <laughs> yeah. And I know like in, in terms of, of war, there's just, there's certain characters I want to see more than others, right? Like one that I think Blizzard's probably going to do last. Like I can't, it's going to be like Zenyatta. I want to see Zenyatta war. Uh, yeah. you know, I want to know how, you know, a sentient robot became so spiritual and then still sends people to the iris. Yeah. You know, he's not as peaceful as he says he is. <laughs> That's actually a really great one. Uh, a lot of people ask for like Genji 
and Genji is very tied into you know Zenyatta's story because Zenyatta kind of showed him how to make peace. And I think with the Omnix, something we're expanding upon in this film is we want to start showing more Omnix and the part they play. They weren't just the bad guys in a war. They are now integrated into many facets of their society. So we have a brand new character named Elway. Uh, it's Captain Elway, actually. And of this Helix security force on this mission, he's the leader. And he's just like just like them. He talks like them. He has the same equipment. Um, and he he wants to do right by his team. So you get to see the Omnics behave in character, like behave in ways that normal characters do, just like they would in the Overwatch, uh, Overwatch universe. So Zenyatta would actually be a lot of fun to get to. And I think you're right. I think Blizzard's not going to be doing anything with him for a long time. Um, yeah. But who knows? Um, yeah. We'll see. He, it's just because he's not like an immensely po- popular character, yeah. right? And they tend to do some of their more popular characters. So, you know, like like some of the people who have, probably have really good stories, like Symmetra would have, I think, would make a great story. Yeah. Even, and I even thought when they did the Soldier 76 short, I thought that they were going to take the approach of showing what happened between him and Reyes. Uh, and now I want that even more because a couple months ago, Jeff Kaplan said that, you know, a lot of people think that there was tension between Reyes and, and uh, you know, Soldier or Morrison. Yeah, in the Overwatch days, and there wasn't like they were friends, you know, yeah. like they relied on each other. So, so, so something like, happened. What, what happened? Where's the breakdown? Because we know that they almost killed each other, you yeah. know, and, and at the end of the day. So that's I'm looking forward to seeing stuff like that. I, I am too, and I think there's a lot of really cool things Blizzard's going to do with their animated shorts. Uh, the Bastion one was my favorite. Um, I think that was such artful storytelling with just minimal words uh, and you felt it yeah i actually know uh, several people uh me included i kind of teared up a little bit i do um, every time i watch it it's it's a really great one and i think it was you know there's a there's something that about that short that was a bit different it it reached out to an audience i don't think blizzard maybe they knew it would um it reached out to an audience i don't know if blizzard thought it would get to and that was veterans yeah i don't um, think they knew when they put it out, but then I, they definitely knew after. Yeah, like the veteran community really responded well to that short. Like any veteran that played games were like Blizzard, because it was like, I remember seeing comments like, I live with PTSD, and like this really speaks to me. And that was, that's the goal that we want to do with our films is we want to reach beyond the the Overwatch fan base because they're already, got, like, they're already part of the fan. Like they're already going to support Overwatch. They're already invested in it. What about making it appealing for people who aren't invested in it already? And I think the Bastion short was something that was really great because people who don't even play Overwatch, you could easily like respond to that well. You're like, oh man, it's a robot that like used to kill things and now wants to be good and has to struggle with that. And it's sad and it was it's tragic, but you know, having um uh, uh is it Ganymede? The bird? Um I've never heard the the bird's name like pronounced, yeah. but the bird that follows Bastion, um, you know, to see that bird is like that's Bastion's little ray of hope. That's what keeps him sane, and that resonated with so many people, well, uh, me and, included. Yeah, and when he thinks he lost his his buddy because you know he freaked out, sure that probably spoke to a lot of people that had done something on accident and hurt someone because of 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 
PSD and they still love them and come back. So I just, I'm yeah. starting to tear up just talking about it. So we're going to exactly. stop. <laughs> well, there's so many good stories and there's so much room for interpretation with Overwatch. Uh, it was kind of what drew us to make films on it, to be honest, you know, be quite frank is it was so open and it was also so fanciful. It's, it looks like, you know, a Pixar movie that you're playing and for like, okay, if we can make people believe this stuff in the real world, then we can make anything. Uh, and that was kind of the goal is we want to tell these, these kind of stories, the same impact that like an animated short would have. We want to tell them in real life to the same effect or even greater if we can. Gotcha. Okay. Well, do you have any uh, lessons learned that you want to tell aspiring, you know, fan filmmakers? <laughs> yes. Uh, one, the fan base will rip you apart when you first show up on the scene. They, they are unforgiving. They're good people. They really are at heart. Um, bless every one of them. But the moment you put out a poster or a picture or something, they're automatically going to jump to hate it. But don't take it personally. Right. They are, they're used to, not only because it's the internet, so like that, but they're used to, to bad stuff out there, especially with video games. They're used to seeing their characters that they love so much misrepresented so poorly, whether it's a big budget Hollywood film or a low indie budget fan film. They're so used to seeing them misrepresented that they just are immediately turned off. Just stick with it. Um, they will come around. Uh, even like the, the biggest hater will get drowned out in supporters if you just absolutely stick with it. But listen to them. Um, always listen to fee- you know feedback. Uh, that's something that Hollywood's wrestling with right now. Believe it or not, you know Disney and Marvel uh, and Star Wars. I mean, they go through directors like you know, like it's nothing. They're just left and right because these fan bases are so interesting these big fan bases for something like overwatch or like marvel or star wars they want so much and to accommodate that it's a huge undertaking and i think that the other thing that ties into that for any five people into a fan film is make it something you'd want to see don't ever settle for like oh it's good enough it's good for a fan film make it good period um work with the best you can um and if it's not as great as you wanted the first time, then show people you can do it a second. That's kind of what we're doing. You know, one of the things we wanted to improve upon with our films was like costumes, for example. We did the best we could pulling locals together, um, but we're like, we can do better. So we pulled together like All the right. pros <laughs> and we're like, okay, we want like super legit costumes because the fans deserve it. They deserve to see these characters with real costumes and real behavior with real looks and real locations. Um, and that, uh, uh, and the, the third one is just always move the ball forward. Don't ever take a step back, whether you're just like scared about dealing with people online or whatever. If you want to do like a fan film or your own films, always advance the ball forward. So whatever story you're telling, make sure it's moving your entire message forward. Um, it kind of ties into like, don't ever make a film that's just good enough. Um, make it something you would want to be a part of. You would want to see. Um, and people will respond. Okay. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I'm, I'm not an aspiring filmmaker, but hopefully that helps somebody who actually, <laughs> you yeah, know, exactly, who right. wants to make some films. Uh, so, uh, um, a question that's a bit away from the, the film, uh, 
you know, whole film in general is more about the Overwatch lore. So, you know, what are your thoughts on how Blizzard is currently handling and delivering Overwatch lore? That I know that the fans are craving more lore, like none other. They everyone wants more. We want to find out more information, more stuff. Uh, the fact they don't release it, I think, is a genius business move. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because it keeps people interested. It's like if you don't know the whole story, you want to know the whole story, and you want to come back to it. Um, there, I think there, there's been a few occasions where I don't think even Blizzard anticipated people would be this ravenous for some of this stuff. Case in point, Doomfist. I remember seeing, I can't remember which developer it was, but when they were designing Doomfist, they're like, yeah, well, we made the gauntlet. Like, we didn't really en- envision making Doomfist later on, and everyone wanted Doomfist. Um, and the fans are so ravenous for lore, and it's so interesting to see that a Blizzard is, is playing it pretty close to the chest. Uh, with the exception of like some comics. Um, I think Michael Chu's got some fantastic ideas. Um, I, I definitely think they have something up their sleeve. Um, they're gearing up for something, whether it's an animated cartoon show, uh, whether it's more comics, whether it's like some sort of quasi campaign mode. Um, I, I heard there's a mobile game in development. Uh, that wouldn't surprise um, me, but, um, I'm not going to, they're not going to put their best people on that. I can tell you that much. No. <laughs> It's yeah, exactly. I I think um, I don't think they have anything live action planned. Um, I can say that much. I think all signs kind of point to that they, after Warcraft, Blizzard as a whole, even though it's made of lots of Blizzard's, you know, made up of lots of different companies that don't really all necessarily talk to each other. It's like their company that would do like the Warcraft movie isn't really involved with Overwatch, but I don't think Blizzard's in a super giant hurry to get back into the live action market just yet. After that. Um, and I think a cartoon show, animated show, um, much like their shorts would definitely be more in the works. Um, I think it would look kind of like the Sombra short. There is like some animation differences. If you notice with some of these short films, like the Bastion one is extremely highly detailed, uh, light rays, dust in the light rays and little, little things. Like if you really notice, you're going to find compared to like the Sombra short, which is more, I think, stylistic. Um, it reminded me more of like a Star Wars Rebels or like a Star Wars Clone Wars, um, as opposed to like a fully fledged, like, you know, Pixar cinematic, like the 76 one, the Bastion one, Alive. Those had such detail and such a grandeur to them. And the newer shorts definitely seem like they're more streamlined, which, you know, this is just a fan theory, does kind of hint that maybe they're gearing up to do uh, a series. Um, but, so. yeah, and, and a lot of people are. And uh, and that would be, it'd be great. They're gonna, they would knock it out of the park. It'd be enormously successful. Netflix has already worked with Activision before, and Activision and Blizzard are obviously like, tied together um, because Netflix did the Skylander show. Um, but it is... I just don't know what yet. Um, I would presume there's going to be some more comics. And now, I have heard a rumor that a Reaper Reaper short might be coming coming down the line here soon. That's kind of like a Reaper origin right. story. Um, whether that's like a mini short, like when they announce like Moira or something, where it's just kind of comic strips and they're talking about it, or it's like a full-fledged like animated short. Not sure. I think Moira has definitely thrown a... a 
monkey wrench, though, in a lot of people's theories. Uh, the original theory that Reaper was the way he was, that Mercy tried to resurrect him and, like, messed up. And now he's, like, stuck in this permanent state of, like, degeneration where he has to get life force from other people. I personally am a huge fan of that theory. I think it, it, it humanizes Mercy. It's like, oh, man, she made a mistake. Um, and Reaper, like, paid the price for it in addition to his own anger. But then Moira comes along, and it was very clear from, like, the moment they announced her that she very much had a lot to do with Reaper transforming into who right. he is. With, so oh, no, I, I was going to say, okay. in, in terms of that specifically, um, and, I, and I guess in terms of the lore, like, all together, um, you know, I I am of the thought that they aren't necessarily solid on the war. They're not one hundred. They're not really sure what exactly they want to do because they like. So they had that the first strike book that was supposed to come out, and they canned it because the first strike, the first yeah. strike would have actually solidified the lore of what happened uh, in early Overwatch, and that's gone. And then also uh, before Moira you had a voice line between Reaper and Mercy where Mercy flat out says that this is not what she intended to happen. And that yeah. went away months before uh, Moira came out. So the lore is kind of in flux. And yeah. th- I think that actually holds the game back quite a bit because, you know, the, the best event they've done I'll, I will argue anybody with this. It's uprising. It's the, it's, it's the best event they did because it incorporated lore into the game. But in order to put, like, once you put the lore in the game, that is it. That is solid. That is exactly on that. So they're they've been very careful about putting about using lore in the game, and I think it's because they aren't one hundred percent sure, you know, what they're gonna do. There's a, I could agree with that. Um, uh, even the um, character creation, like you mentioned Doomfist, they didn't expect to create Doomfist, which I'm like, he's part of the lore. Yeah. But one that's even a bit more, um, uh, that worked better with this example is Sombra. You know, they didn't know what Sombra was going to do until after they started the ARG. <laughs> like they got ideas for yeah. Sombra because of theories that people came up with during the ARG. So, you know, because, I mean, yeah. if you, like, originally Sombra was supposed to be a mixture of Genji and Hanzo. That was her kit. Yeah. And um, that obviously that would have been absolutely terrible. <laughs> um, but, you know, yeah. they, she became this, this the, the hacker. And that happened because of early, early ARG. You know, like theories that were flying around about Sombra. Like basically the community created sombra you know so that yeah go, go ahead yeah well oh no i've acted the the plus side is it does keep community involvement like an all right <laughs> um you feel engaged you feel like oh hey like i'm part of this you know this stuff's changing uh it doesn't stay the same it's like the you know it's like the halo universe i love halo i love that universe what they created also, once it's written down or once it's there, I mean, right. it's set in stone. And, and you know it's there. And it never really changes. It never evolves or really grows. It's, it's just always there. But meanwhile, Overwatch, from the way they've designed it, is a pure genius move. 
Uh, it keeps people engaged. It keeps people playing. It keeps people interested. It keeps people like buying the comics and reading the comics. Um, it keeps them asking questions. Uh, you know, keeping those forums alive is a wonderful decision. Um, the more you have people asking these kind of questions, the more involvement they, they want to have with the game. So as far as the lore, I do think the story isn't set in stone. Um, and I think that's just, it kind of shows the differences uh, in how Overwatch is kind of involved. I think when it first started off, it was very sci-fi. Uh, and it felt sci-fi, and I think a lot of people responded to it. It's like, wow, like Blizzard made kind of this sci-fi first-person shooter, and that's really dope. Um, and now, I, I think Moira's represented a big change with the feel of Overwatch, uh, at least lore-wise. I think characters like her, it starts to introduce more of a fantasy element um, that wasn't as present. I mean, Mercy kind of you know has a staff that heals people. Um, but I do think that Moira, you know, with the whole genetics thing, and everything else like that, and just the way she looks and appears and her backstory, it's starting to represent a little bit of a tonal shift. Um, but that's the beauty of Overwatch. It can, it can continue to evolve and keep changing. Yeah, that's true. And another thing about the Overwatch story, uh, a lot of the lore almost conflicts with the image that Blizzard's trying to set for Overwatch. You know, like, so Blizzard, every time they talk about Overwatch, it's about diversity and hope and happiness. And the story is not about that. <laughs> Look at that. Like, the, the lore that we know. Yeah. I, I can't, I'm trying to think of us, besides Lucio, who's happy? <laughs> you know? Yeah. They, well, and that's, I remember a, um, uh, there's a guy uh, from Kotaku who reviewed Heroes Never Die. And, and he, you know, he was like, it's impressive. It's done well. I don't like the grim dark tone. That's what he said. And a bunch of the comments are like, oh yeah, they totally missed the mark, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, have you guys seen, just go to the Wikipedia page. Like, have you seen the backstory for these characters? They're horrific. Uh, Right. Roadhogs. Roadhogs is really sad. Yeah. That's another character I would love to see, like, you know, fleshed out in in some type of lore. Yeah. You know, because I I don't think a lot of people under like know his story. It's very sad. You know, he lost everything. And he, did, and he was he was so for for those of you who don't know Roadhog's story, like he's just an annoying guy who hooks you. Uh, Roadhog. <laughs> so after the Omnic crisis, the Earth government or whatever was going to move all the Omnics to Australia. Roadhog lived in Australia. They weren't having it, so he's like a freedom fighter or like you know, a resistance fighter for his people. They go to destroy. I forget what it's called. The uh, Om- Omnium. Yeah, uh, it's some t- It's like some type of like huge omnic facility they go to destroy that it goes wrong and they turn australia into a wasteland it is his fault and yeah. he becomes mako that's how mako becomes roadhog you know it, yeah and it's it's just horrifically sad um you know diva we get a lot okay I, I will say we get a lot of requests to do a diva movie which i need like a michael bay budget to do that right. <laughs> <laughs> do it right but you know, her story has some sad elements to it. Her hometown was completely leveled by like the Omnic War and everything. And yet you see this character who's so cheerful and happy. And I think there's a lot of emotional emotional stories that can be told as to why that is. Um, right. It's definitely a front. Um, but actually, one of my favorite scripts we have is for Diva. But like I said, I can't do it until I have like the big budget. 
Um, but it's a really cool story. It's very much kind of like the traditional like, Gundam story where it's like she becomes the pilot through the happy accident of, you know, finds like a downed mecha. Um, you've seen her play video games. Her mom like scolds her for never going outside, that kind of thing. And all of a sudden those skills come into play and she saves the day. Um, but there's a lot of like emotional stuff that you can do in the background for it. Uh, but no, yeah, there's, there's the, the background for Overwatch is really dark. But I think that's what makes the game so bright is to know that these characters fought for the bright future. Uh, they fought for the happy ending. Um, and that is something that's starting to, you, you do see that changing a little bit as far as the lore of being retconned. When it first started off, I think everybody had a really dark backstory. I mean, I remember reading the backstory before the game even came out. And I was like, man, like they're very rich and, and fleshed out. But I was like, wow, like everyone, like, got a cyborg dude who was hacked into pieces by his brother. Uh, yeah, you know, the, the guy who hacked him up into pieces was like a pretty much a crime lord that just went rogue and wants to redeem himself and uh, and just so on and so on. Like all these just really sad, um, sad stories. Even Tracers is like he's in a state of constant flux. Um, yeah. Which that Doomfist short, in my opinion, is the oh. best one they had. And it, it, ha- it, it, it the animation they used for it really worked with it yeah when doomfist pulls that off of her and you see her face like yeah. as she can't control i'm like that you talk about the bastion comic hit you that hit me i'm like oh yeah. shit and then winston going like nuts it was awesome. epic it was epic and i, I wish doomfist was that powerful in the game <laughs> <laughs> uh, i do like doomfist. for like a I just, week i know i'm so like i love doomfist when he first came out but like i I don't. I play comp a lot now. I'm gold, not the best, but um, I yeah, you're uh, like around the fifty percent mark. Be happy with that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm a console peasant though, so it's like you know, I don't have the quick aim of a mouse. But I did. Uh, uh, I'd be lucky though if I see a Doomfist now when I play oh, yeah. comp. Like he's he's definitely at least on Xbox. He seems like he's one of the most least played and competitive that I've seen. It's very difficult to play Doomfist on console yeah. because you you need to be able to that movement of, of like I just he needs to be adjusted for console in order to make him viable. So. Yeah, no one one hundred percent. Okay, so let's uh, we're gonna start wrapping up. But um, you know, who are your favorite characters in Rush? You already mentioned Mercy. This is like personal, right? Like it yeah. doesn't have, to have anything to do with the film, but just personally, who are your favorite characters in Overwatch? Ooh. Mercy's up there. Uh, probably, probably Bastion. I love Bastion. Uh, I think there's such such a. I know that's a kind of an odd character. One I love playing is him. I still love Bastion. I don't care if it's the point and click adventure. Um, it's it's wonderful to play as Bastion, and I think the idea though that you have this robot wrestling with like PTSD, and he has a little bird that helps him through it. It's just great because there's something that I've, like for as far as lore goes is how does the team actually respond to Bastion? Because you haven't really seen any comics or something where like he's interacting with everybody. And so you had this Omnic that at one point was like the bane of mankind's existence. And now he's trying to be good. So, you right. know, he, you know, he's kind of alone, you know, he's a lonely, a lonely character. Um, and, uh, but I do love Bastion. I also love Roadhog and Junkrat. Um, there's a, I have a script for them, <laughs> and that one's definitely something you want to do, like very funny. Right. Um, 
with always that underlying tone though of sadness with with Roadhog especially. Um, and that's that's why I like Roadhog is for all the reasons we talked about earlier. He's a very layered character, but doesn't seem that way at first. Which I just I love those kind of characters. That's why I think there's more to Diva than I think we know. Because it yeah. doesn't seem like there'd be that much to her. Like, oh, it's a gamer now, pilots mix. That's oh, cool. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think there's like there's always more to those kind of characters. Gotcha. I do have one request. If you ever manage to get a Diva short done, yeah, you have to get Defense Matrix right. Yeah, because a lot of people don't understand how Defense Matrix works. They think that. You shoot something into it, it disappears. It's technically speaking, in the game, that's what happens. And for those who don't know, Defense Matrix is actually aiming at the projectiles coming in and shooting it away. That would be a, such a cool effect to see if, I, you, if you could do that. <laughs> I, I would actually, I'd love to do a Diva short. Um, the, the budget would have to be probably four times what we're doing now. Right. But I would actually, to be honest, probably about 20 times. But <laughs> who's counting? Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I do, it's for this, it's for all the reasons I said earlier, I think there's, whenever you have these characters that at first seem so two-dimensional, even if they are, like, even if that's how Blizzard want them to be, like, it's a very two-dimensional character, they're just fun to play, go play them. I think there's always room to make them three-dimensional way more than the characters that you already assume are three-dimensional. Reaper, for example, you already know that guy has a layered history. Um, be fun to explore, but you don't really think of D.Va as having a very layered um so what if she did um yeah. and or what if she does uh we we still have yet to see what, what blizzard's going to do with it so a lot of exciting things overwatch just it's a fantastic game for speculation and fan theories and backstories it's, it's what makes it so endearing absolutely all right so where can the, our audience find your work how, how can yeah. I, how can i get your stuff yeah um all of our videos are posted on our youtube channel and it's just youtube dot com slash lupin productions llc um you can also find us on our instagram page just lupin productions llc or you can tweet at us at lupin production um and uh all for us on facebook and as you probably guessed the name is uh facebook.com slash lupin productions llc shocker <laughs> shocker i know right <laughs> so we are on all networks um and the we are posting on instagram a couple times a week that's definitely like what we're most active on. Uh, currently, we love to show behind the scenes, posters, artwork, concept art, costumes, you name it. Um, but then all of our big videos, uh, all of like the, the meat of what Lupin Productions does is always going to be put on our YouTube channel. All right. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Andy, and do you, are you said you're privately invested, so no Patreon or Kickstarter then? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Uh, we we do have some projects that uh, we'll probably end up doing some Kickstarters for uh, a little bit down the road. Um, but right now, all that we ask from supporters is just hit that like button, hit that share. Um, when people do that, they're not telling us that they like it. They're telling Hollywood. They're telling Blizzard. They're telling these other companies. We like what these guys are doing with video games. We want to see more of it. And then we can use that as leverage to bring you more of the products that you want to see. Right, so the support helps for sure. Absolutely, every comments, every like, every subscribe, every share—it does more than than people know for sure. Okay, well, um, I think that's all I got for you, Bob. Are you are you all good? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm super. I'm super. I'm super excited. When is it? Uh, when's it releasing again? 
Yeah. February 25th. Um, so it's going to be, oh shoot, six days yeah, from now. Yeah, it's close. <laughs> um, yeah, it's going to be released in the morning, probably around like 8 a.m. Central Standard Time. Um, and we'll have it up there. Uh, if for whatever reason we don't, some sort of technical difficulty happens, which on projects like these, something always goes wrong. Uh, we'll let fans know immediately, but it will be up February 25th at some point in the day. Um, but count on it in the morning for sure. Awesome. All right, great. Well, thank you. I know you guys are in crunch time right now. Thanks for coming on to the hey. show and talking about, about you know, the new short. Oh, my gosh, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. It's a, it's a ton of fun just to talk about Overwatch lore with you guys and share <laughs> what we're doing and um, you know, we all, we all love this game. We all love Blizzard and, and that's what makes it great. This community brought us together. Great. Yep. All right. So, all right, well then we are going to end the interview. We're going to send it back to the show and, uh, we'll see you guys in a second. Thanks again, Grayson. And we'll, we're really looking Ooh. forward to the movie. Yes, sir. All right. <laughs> see ya. Oh, that'll do fine. Okay. Uh, once again, thank Grayson very much for coming onto the show and, you know, talking about his 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 fan films and Overwatch lore, and as a as a cr- film creator, as a fan film creator, I'm pretty, he has like a unique opinion on how the lore is going, right? Like, so that's that's pretty awesome, and I'm glad yeah. he was able to uh, to come on the show. And it was interesting that you know that he talked about not not having a a background in film and seeing how good the 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 mercy film was and i'm assuming how good the the widow film is gonna be it was it was really interesting yeah absolutely we're kind of alike i have no background in audio but here i am running a podcast network that's where i was going with that (laughs) (laughs) you just you just stole it from me oh sorry bob i'm still stealing bob's thunder all right well let's just get into the weekly update no uh no fancy transition this time because only one weekly update season is ending on february 25th all right, so February 20th, the season ends, and you can expect the following CP rewards for bronze, 65 CP, silver, 125 CP, gold, 250 CP, platinum, 500 CP, diamond, 750 CP, master, 1200 CP, and grandmaster, 1750 CP. All right, so uh, you can expect that on the 25th or the 26th. You know, when it actually closes out and the new season starts February 28th. So we will be right back in there. Enjoy those shitty placement matches the first week of comp. <laughs> I'll catch you guys on week two. <laughs> but uh, all right. Other than that, we are are done here. We're not going to keep you guys around for much longer because, uh, yeah, that interview was really long. So uh, as always, just roll through the last uh, bit of information here. Prepare to Attack Batch 5 has started. Uh, I did not put the Bastion episode out yet, but that's okay because we're going to have a different episode coming out very soon. I think people will appreciate it a bit more than the Bastion, so we'll go with that. Uh, but yeah, Prepare to Attack Batch 5, which was what? Farah, Diva, Mercy, Reaper. Uh, Reaper. So and Bastion will close it out, but we also have Moira on the way. We only have two characters. I'm acting like I'm gonna hide it. Like no, it's it's fucking Moira, guys. It's good. Look, that that's it. <laughs> that's the other character that we're gonna be pushing out very soon. Uh, and uh, hopefully it helps you guys out, especially with Moira. You know, becoming so important. Uh, 
Normally, we stream the show every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you're listening to this, well, I guess you would be listening to this via audio or, you know, via podcast. You know, you can catch the show live on Tuesdays, twitch.tv slash mash those buttons, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We always want to hear about your Overwatch stories, so definitely send that to us. We'll get into our contact info in a little bit. We do have a PS4 community and an Xbox One club. Actually, I do know that we have pending members on the PS4 community, so I'm going to add that very soon. Uh, yeah, I just got very soon. Sorry, I haven't had a chance to get in there and do that, but I'll do that. They're both called Watchpoint Radio Overwatch, so hit up those clubs and communities so we can play together sometime. We'd also like to have you on our Discord, which is discord.me slash mash those buttons. And uh, yeah, we, we have more and more people coming in to the Discord, so it's pretty awesome to have to have uh, as many people there as possible so we can talk about some Overwatch and some other things. I always like to talk about Heroes of Overwatch. It is a Facebook community where you can either just keep up with the latest Overwatch uh, news, watch the, uh, see the latest Overwatch memes, or just find some really cool people to play with. So definitely check out Heroes of Overwatch if you're on Facebook. We're available on multiple podcast platforms. You can find us on iOS or Android. Just, you know, put Watchpoint Radio into your podcast platform of choice. If you cannot find it, you can also get our RSS feed directly from MashThoseButtons.com and pop it in there, and then you will have a feed to the show. Uh, you can find us on Twitter.com slash Watchpoint Radio, like I mentioned earlier. Twitter.com slash MTV site. Facebook.com slash MashThoseButtons. And YouTube.com slash MashThoseButtons. Bob, why don't you tell them where they can find you? You can find me on Twitter at Blazin underscore Bob. That's B-L-A-Z-Z-I-N underscore B-O-B. You can find me on Twitch at Blazin Bob. All right. And you can find me at underscore Ja underscore on Twitter. And sometimes I stream on this channel as well. Uh, but we always, we always encourage you guys to also reach out to us. Our email address is WPR at MashLoseButtons.com. So you can send a message there or you can reach out on the website, leave a comment, leave a comment on SoundCloud, uh, you know, Facebook, Twitter, wherever. We're always looking to hear from you guys. If you enjoy the show, you want to help us out. The best way to do that is to share the show with others. And also you can, if you can leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice, that is a tremendous help as well. And we thank everybody who has taken the time to do that. Thank you very much. Uh, additionally, we do have a, uh, a uh, we're a Twitch affiliate. So if you want to subscribe to our Twitch channel, that's a tremendous help for us. We also have a Teespring store where you can grab Mashes Buttons and Watchpoint Radio merch. It's teespring.com slash stores slash mash those buttons. And finally, like I mentioned earlier, we do have a Patreon, which is patreon.com slash watchpoint radio. We're still working toward our first goal, but any support there is uh, is a huge help to us. And it definitely helps you know us push things forward with the show and even it'll even enable us to you know push forward with some community projects that we want to do so you know anybody who's supporting us there thank you guys very much we appreciate it and uh yeah i also encourage you guys to check out matchlessbuttons.com slash shows to see all the other shows that we have in the network we have fgc podcast or fighting game podcast two world of warcraft podcast a division podcast and the mashcast has returned to talk about everything else in between so Thank you guys I for really liking the match cast. Oh, you like it so far? I'm glad yeah. you do. The last yeah. one was a bit long. The last one's a bit long, but I like uh, what's your name? Fruit Loop or Cream Puff? No, I think it's Fruit Loop, right? Pop Tart. Pop Tart. That's it. Like <laughs> liking Pop Tart a lot. Uh, I yeah, was close. I, uh, 
I, I um I've been trying to come up with a with the like, kind of nickname. Like you, you you hear the way I announce Nick on that show. <laughs> and hers might be like, you know, not Fruit Loop, not Cream Puff, Pop Tart. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome then. <laughs> so there you go. But uh yeah, I would definitely check out the Mash cast if you guys have a chance. And we we're really looking for feedback on that show because it's it's a, it's it's new again, so we're you know we're still kind of molding and shaping that show. So it'd be great if we can get some feedback there. So, uh, but that's it, you guys. Thank you very much for listening. We're gonna catch you next week. Enjoy, uh, hopefully, you you finish high and you place well. May the force be with you. Later.